What do you want? Screaming queens. Listen, I am two seconds away from calling the police. Screaming Queens Horror Podcast. What do you want? Screaming Queens Horror Podcast to your death. Something is trying to get inside my body, and you want to sleep with me. Better give me those shoes, they're mine. Give them back to me. Well, a, a boy's best friend is his mother. Hey, shouldn't you be folding towels somewhere, sniffing jock straps? It is time to keep your appointment with the Wicker Man. Rubs the lotion on its skin or else gets the hose again. What have you done to its eyes? I see no manhood between your legs. You're going to need death now. <laughs> the living dead. They're coming to get you, Barbara. Get away from her, you bitch. It was an asylum. And it was hell. 20 years of pure hell. The devil wins sometimes. What's that? Monsters. Yeah. Is this close enough? Yeah, we're fine. Can everyone hear us as well? Yes. <coughs> Project. Yeah. Vincent Price style. <laughs> uh, welcome to Screaming Queens, the horror podcast with the Queer Eye View. This is our very first live episode, so we're all quite nervous. <laughs> when I say we're all, they're not bothered, I'm quite nervous. Um, my name's John Larkin. I'm Jonathan Butler. I'm Martin Fennity. I'm Chris Brown. Usually there would be four of there would be four of us plus Chris as our guest, but uh, today our fourth queen has gone to a christening, which I find quite <laughs> ironic. Um, I can't believe he's actually walked into a church, which you know that's that's progress in itself. So um, we needed a fourth person to call the corners craft style, so we thought we'd get Chris in to to be our guest today. And um, first up as well, because I will forget, I'd like to say thank you to Empty Spaces Cinema for hosting this as well. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you very much. Um, so, for our listeners at home, we are live in an abandoned department store called George Henry Lee's in Liverpool. Um, and we have just watched Theatre of Blood, which is a 1973 yeah. horror classic uh, starring Vincent Price. And I'm gathering that people enjoyed it. Yeah. <laughs> it's quite interesting because usually when we do our podcast, it's just four of us in my back room. Um, in the safety of my little dining room so uh, it's quite interesting to have everyone everyone else here <laughs> so it's not just something for you to sit and listen to if you want to get involved you can just jump in at any point in fact I would rather prefer that you did <laughs> Theatre of Blood for me uh, is one of those horror films. I mean, one of the reasons I started Screaming Queen's podcast was uh, out there in the podcast universe, there's not that many horror podcasts that sort of appeal to a queer audience. Although, after we started it, I realised there is one called Scream Queen. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't talk to me anymore. <clears throat> um, so, uh, I wanted to put something out there and, um, you know, we, we sort of meet up every couple of weeks and discuss horror movies from, you know, across the board. So the, uh, they range from um, classics like Theatre of Blood to obscure oddities. We do Nazi exploitation, <laughs> we do zombie movies, we do stuff from Japan, we do, you know, whatever. And we also review new new horror movies as well. Um, but um, the thing that we sort, that sort of pulls the thread together with, with most of these horror movies is they have a bit of a queer sensibility. You know, whether that's something like a horror movie that's very homoerotic in its undertones or overtones, like uh, the likes of Nightmare on Elm Street 2, um, or whether it's something that deals with outsiders, like The Craft, which is something that a lot of queer audiences can relate to, um, which is why horror draws a big queer audience. 
um, but also just films that are just really, really camp, like the, <laughs> like the one we've just watched. Um, and the, uh, yeah, a, a lot of the films, a lot of the films that I, I tend to pick, and I know that the other guys do too, are stuff that mean a lot to us, because uh, for me, growing up, I'm sure there's a lot of people in the room who will agree, growing up, horror movies late night t- on television, um, you know, BBC Two or Half Eleven on a Friday night that you shouldn't be staying up to watch, the, the, you know, those kinds of things, they, they, they're the sorts of horror films that mean a lot to me. And um, Theatre of Blood is one of them. It's, it's something that I loved as a child. Um, I was allowed to watch horror movies way too young. Um, <laughs> And it's a shock that I grew up to be a writer and not a serial killer. Um, there's still time. Um, so, um, Theatre of Bloods is one of them. Um, and I can't believe we're, we're actually 75 episodes into our run and we haven't covered Theatre of Blood until now. So, I can't believe it took Chris to come to us with, with oh, this man. idea. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I always loved it. I always sort of, I always saw the humour in it, um, even as a youngster. Um, but I, I mainly just loved Vincent Price. I, I absolutely loved him, that voice. Whether it was on Thriller or whether it was, um, you know, later on Edward Scissorhands as well. That was like his last, his last role, wasn't it? His last performance. Yeah, it was. Um, but but going way back to, to seeing the likes of uh, the Doctor Vibes movies, um, and uh, there was a film in the eighties that I really loved that not a lot of people saw called House of the Long Shadows. Was anybody else in here seeing it? <laughs> I used to harass the video man, Dave the video man, who used to come round in his van. Um, and in the end, he just gave it to me. He was like, you know, every week, you know, you're making your parents pay £1.50 every week. So he just gave it to me. And that was, that was a rare film, because Vincent Price was in that movie with Peter Cushing and Christopher Lee. So it was the, it was the sort of triptych of horror icons. Randomly, Julie Peasgood from Brookside was in it as well. Um, and he, he really camped it up in that. He had lots of soliloquies and, you know, uh, he, he took every opportunity he could to chew the scenery um, <laughs> so it's no surprise that um, you know Theatre of Blood I think is probably seen as his iconic definitive horror role um, and yeah I absolutely adored the film um, on, on many levels I adore Theatre of Blood <laughs> I think it might be one of my favourite horror films um, ever <laughs> um, it's just a glorious delicious <laughs> camp romp of revenge and mayhem, isn't it? And, um, <clears throat> it's great because you, the hero of the film is the villain, <clears throat> and you root him for that villain all the yeah. way through. Yeah. Just right, for as soon as you know what's going on, you're you're rooting for him, <laughs> and all the um, the victims are grotesque in their own way. Mm. Um, and you relish their you relish their, their deaths. Yeah. All right. <laughs> John, what about you? Yeah, I loved it. I, I think what's not to love really. Yeah. It's got there's a real like glee that takes a real the film takes a real glee in the deaths yeah. and the murders that you don't really see. You don't get that in films much anymore. Yeah. No. Gleeful and delicious are two yeah. two key words. I think <laughs> a lot of this film. When did you see it as a kid as well? No, or? no, I I hadn't seen it until quite recently. Oh, okay. I think um, Arrow had one of the five, it was a five for thirty pounds, so I thought I'll, I'll pick yeah. that one up because yeah. I like a lot of Vincent Price films anyway. So yeah, yeah, picked it up then. Chris, what about you? Um, yeah, so I mean, I'm, I'm I'm a big Vincent Price fan myself. Um, I, I used to do something in um, a Liverpool small cinema, which was over in Victoria Street, and it was like called Cheap Frills, and that was like. Um, kind of exploitation of B-movies, and I always wanted to do a double bill of Vincent Price called The Price is Right. <laughs> only where in Liverpool. I never got round to it, and I suppose this is kind of 
part of that thought process of kind of returning to maybe doing something like that in the future. This could be the test run. This could be the yeah. test run. Yeah, we're only going to do Vincent Price movies moving yeah. forward. It'd be amazing. There's plenty to choose from. There is, there is, there is. Um, yeah. But for me, in particular, Theatre of Blood, and I think for, for me, and I, I said at the intro before we start the, the film, um, he, this, that period of time for me, with him is like absolutely him at his best because he's completely allowed off the hook. He's so happy <laughs> to work and yeah. you know where he's very clear. So you've got fives, both fives movies, this Madhouse and The Price of Fear, which is an old uh, BBC radio um, anthology. Which if if it, it always pops up on 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 iPlayer, I'd recommend if you go search it out, give it a go because basically that is. Um, he always kind of, Vincent Price as Vincent Price gets ingrained within the horror, so you'd be absolutely terrified to meet him because it'll mean, basically mean you'll, you'll be the one ending up in the pie, not the dogs in this <laughs> film, you know? So, yeah, so for me, I just think it's, it's incredibly extravagant. It's insanely stupid in terms of. What do you mean? Well, what I mean is, what I mean is, and this is a, so. A guy, they drown a guy in wine. Now that would could be potentially quite easy, but before he does it, he gets dressed up in his makeup, and I understand that's his kind of his his his, his process, yeah. as it were. But then he also lights about five hundred candles in that, <laughs> <laughs> just on the just you know, got to get this right, and not not you know fifty candles, like hundreds of them. <laughs> so. Um, and it is those kind of details that make zero sense. And again, like like the 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 that the the, 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 the dog death. Um, he goes, you know, what do we need? Well, we'll need. To, I'll need to be dressed up as a chef, <laughs> and um, that will work. Yeah, and we'll, we'll get all these tramps dressed up as cameramen, and we'll need about a thirty grand BBC camera. Yeah, yeah, we'll get that as well. Um, just because otherwise, he's never going to eat this pie, is he? You know. <laughs> so can I, just, can I just say that that just shows the difference? I think that the sort of queer audience in the room would never question that kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> you want those candles. You want the capes as well. Yeah, yeah. They had a good selection of capes in this film. The capes were My take is if you're going to kill somebody in the manner of a Shakespearean play, why would you skimp on Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Countrymen, lend me your ears. I come to bury Caesar, not to praise him. Here under leave of Brutus and the rest, come I to speak in Caesar's funeral. He was my friend, faithful and just to me. But Brutus says he was ambitious, and Brutus is an honorable man. He hath brought many captives home to Rome, whose ransoms did the general coffers fill. Did this in Caesar seem ambitious? Stop! Stop, I haven't finished yet. Stage manager, discipline in the theatre is your responsibility. Please do enforce it immediately. You should treasure this opportunity to listen to a master. The world's greatest living actor. What if Ireland joined here?
wisdom and goodness to the vile seem vile. Filts savor but themselves. Here, filts, put money in thy purse. <laughs> I think what I was interested about you were saying about rooting, rooting for the villain as well. Because what I found, because I've watched this film three times in three days, <laughs> um, just to sort of get it back into my head again. And what I found is the more you watch it, the more you do, I think you really do feel for Edward Lionheart yeah. and, and Edwina as well. Not seen at the end where she's dying in his arms, I think mm. it's heartbreaking. And this is a man who's just like murdered people for the last you know, hour and a half. Um, but I think you do feel for him, and I think one of the things that really that really comes through for me and resonates is nobody likes to be criticised mm. um, unjustly, <laughs> you know. Um, and I think everybody's been in that position where they've been bullied by people in the who are part of the sort of you know part of the establishment and have been seen as the outsider and laughed at and derided. Um, and you know he is quite preposterous, but you know um, nobody likes to be told that. And I think I think you do feel for him in that sense. I think the fencing scene is where it, it, where I first realised it when he's you know he's delivering that speech to him and he's saying how many people have you destroyed you know I'm, this isn't this isn't me murdering you this is punishment for what you've done yeah yeah it's brilliant and one of the reasons why the the lead critic um, says that he he's given such a hard time because he insists on exclusively acting. In Shakespeare plays, <laughs> and you think, well, why not? Yeah. <laughs> why not? Just make your whole career acting Shakespeare, the, you were the greatest writer of yeah. alive. Yeah. Why is that? Why is he? Why is he subject to that criticism? And I always think that line as well when he says to the daughter, "I was goading him into trying harder. I was goading him into bring, coming into the, the into the twentieth century." <laughs> I just think that is such a cop out. You know, <laughs> if you're going to be a twat to someone, just be a just say I'm yeah. a twat to that person. <laughs> I thought it was you. Well, the brilliant Peregrine Deadly, wielder of the brutal aphorism, master of the killing phrase, my father's murderer. That's a bit melodramatic, isn't it? Oh, forgive me. I forgot. It was your reverence and admiration that drove him to take his own life. You don't understand. I understand that the greatest actor of all time never earned your approval for one single performance. Never. Not one good review. Edwina, in his entire career, your father refused to appear in anything but Shakespeare. A truly great actor illuminates the present as well as the past. I attacked your father because I thought I could goad him into the 20th century. What do you want, Devlin? Information for some vicious posthumous attack on no. him. No. Look, Edwina, your father's body was never found. My father is as good as under that granite. You and your pack needn't fear he's come back to haunt you. Fear no more the heat of the sun. No exorciser harm thee. Nor the furious winter's rage. Nor no witchcraft charm thee. Thou thy worldly task hast done. Ghost unlaid forbear thee. Home hath gone and tamed thy way. Nothing ill come near thee. Golden lads and girls all must. Quiet consummation have. Like chimney sweepers come to die. And renowned be thy grave. Bravo. Thank you, thank you, an excellent rehearsal. But tonight, we shall play Cymbeline as it has never been played before. <laughs> it's a 
of so in the, in the audience is one of our friends Andy, um, and what Andy doesn't know about Shakespeare isn't worth knowing. <laughs> and there were two things that, <laughs> there were two things I thought when I was watching this film because I thought of you. I thought I'd love to see you play Edward Lionheart if we oh, ever oh, oh. if we ever get round to um, grabbing those rights. I'm never going to be dying and break again, am I? <laughs> <laughs> There was a stage adaptation. It's there waiting for the. Yeah. There is. It's there waiting for Network Theatre to do. Network Theatre yeah. couldn't afford the candles. <laughs> Jim Broadbent played him in the in the um, in the stage adaptation. Oh, what? Yeah. Apparently, there were quite mixed reviews. I don't think it was quite as successful as the film. Daughter as well. Diana yeah. Riggs' daughter played the yeah. daughter. Diana Riggs' character. Yeah. So, wow. Yeah. I yeah. think it could be made again today, or is it a film of its time? And if so, who would you like to play Lionheart? Ooh. Who will play Edward Lionheart now? I don't, I don't think you could. I don't think... I think Vincent Price's persona and what he brings to film is, is gone. I don't really think there's anyone like that left. Mm. Not that I can think of, anyway. It would... It would get made by... Tim Burton now. <laughs> yeah. And I like Tim... Oh, I used to like Tim Burton. I don't know if I like Tim Burton now. And he'd get Johnny Depp to play him. Yeah. And I don't like Johnny Depp now. I used to. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But he'd do some hideous... Be in the sore Yeah, well, yeah, he'd just do some hideous Charlie and the Chocolate Factory version of... <laughs> yeah. Edward Lionheart, and it would be, it would just make you cringe. It would make me cringe. Yeah, and they'd have to sign off all those scenes that portray the homeless in a poor light, and then all those scenes that portray actors in a poor light, and then it's a different world now, isn't it? It occurred to me, though, when I was watching it, it would fit today, the politics would fit. Especially that first section. Of people living in swanky, obscene luxury, and, uh, and, uh, you know, when Vincent Price emerges amongst the from the sludge of the towns, mm. the people yeah. struggling to, uh, to you know, get the price of their meths together, <laughs> yeah. not dissimilar to the kind of wealth divide at the minute. Yeah. 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 I think yeah. if you did it as well with the online criticism, so instead of theatre critics, because there's only about three left, <laughs> <laughs> you'd, you'd be more about the online criticism, so you'd be targeting trolls. Yeah. And yeah. it'd be much more of that kind of... Thing. It'd be Netflix, yeah. wouldn't it? It'd be John Hamm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, like, I think the most unbelievable part of the film is the fact that an arts critic's got a maid, let alone anything else. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ, you didn't get paid like that on Metro, you know? So, I think. Um... Oh, is it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Joan Hickson. Joan, Joan Hickson. Yeah. Yeah. Is that Marvel yeah. Cash? <laughs> yeah. Um... Can I just ask as well, are there any meth drinkers in the audience? <laughs> are they really, pe- is it purple? Is oh, meth? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 They die, so you know it's meth. Well. Yeah. Pardon, can you say that again? No, we put it clear meth. It's vintage. You just dye purple so you wouldn't get it mixed up with other stuff. Yeah. Because it's entirely flammable. That's what makes it time as well, because yeah. you couldn't have a group of homeless people feeding something that's these days that have to be spiced. And it doesn't it have the same effect, it's just the same effect. effect. Yeah, it'd be out of it for the whole film. Prototype of an alcohol pop, isn't it? Yeah. 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 <laughs> 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 Picardy breezes of you being drinking. 
Like Charlotte Church, <laughs> cheeky Vimto. Um, so the second part of the question, Andy, and for everyone else as well, anyone else who's a Shakespeare fan, are there any Shakespeare deaths that you think were missing from this film? Because there are so many. And I thought it was interesting the ones that they chose. But I would like to hone it down because they're all gorgeous, aren't they? <laughs> and nobody dies just in a boring way in Shakespeare. So yeah. the, the film would be like, you know, hours and hours and hours and hours. I just thought, hours. I thought it was quite interesting. They never touched Macbeth. And yeah. Macbeth is one of the bloody ones, isn't it? And they never, they never really went near that. Which is quite interesting. Macbeth, it's really dark as well, isn't it? You're talking, yeah. It's infanticide. Yeah. Well, that's one for the remake. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Johnny Depp killing his own kids. <laughs> but I think one of the things about it is <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> um, John, you know John what always brings the, brings the uh, extra dark. Wow. If we could just start with Helena Bonham Carter. <laughs> 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 I mean, it's very British though, and I think um, that's that's a key part of what makes that film what it is. It's very London British as mm. well. So I think, and he's saying like, you know, if there was American money flying around, let's put it in Hollywood. Yeah. That would be awful. That'd be absolutely, yeah. it just wouldn't function in that kind of bitter, because it is very bitter and gritty and mm. angry. And what was interesting about the original as well is that um, they drew a lot of big names, didn't they, as yeah. well? People who weren't getting as much work anymore, so they so were turning to horror, so the likes of uh, Michael Horden and Dennis Price and people like that, um, Diana Dawes, oh, God bless her, Diana Dawes. Um, people like that turned up, and um, I don't feel like that there would be anyone with the same sort of power who would be yeah. in this kind of film now. Maybe. Yeah, I know it's also in the back of that change of acting, isn't it? That change of style of acting that Edward Lionheart does, which is very classical theatre, to more sort of kitchen sink method acting. And Edward, in his, um, when he turns up after the award show and is derived in the whole critic circle, he says, You chose to give the award to a twitching, mumbling boy who can barely grunt his way through a barely comprehensible performance. Now, that could have been Marlon Brando, Jimmy Dean, to a certain type of actor. Yeah. And so you don't have that transition of acting yeah. these days, do you? You're not going through that change of yeah. acting style. And all of those critics could have been Edward, Edward Lionheart, because the people who were cast in those yeah. roles were all actors of that classical mm. stature. Yeah. yeah. I definitely think that's where the joy... Exactly, and I, d- I did wonder what the, the actual critics of the film were thinking when they were doing the write-ups on that so, film. Yeah. As well. Who's going to give Tyler Bad review? <laughs> it, it got really good reviews. Yeah. It did. It got really yeah. good reviews. But then it wasn't a massive hit, was it, at the time? No, I I think tonally it's a bit weird, and because yeah. it is very funny. But uh, they do force him on Twitter dog. So <laughs> two dogs. Two dogs. Sorry, sorry. Uh, two dogs. And like that. I mean, like the first murder with the, with, the, with the guys just getting sliced up is pretty dark. I think I was surprised at the spear. I'm surprised how gory that actually was. It doesn't cut away at all. No, it goes no. right through him, and the camera stays on it and doesn't chicken out at any point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What about the bit where they're cutting the guy's head off? <laughs> <laughs> 
that's, but that bit's hilarious. That's, yeah, yeah. But the, the first two murders, you've, I, I found the first two murders are brutal and very straight up horror, and it's like a horrible. You know, people getting hacked up and stabbed and stuff. Whereas the third one, it does shift to comedy. Then I think that the sort of the campness comes through, and it's a, it's a beautiful thing to watch. It's quite operatic, I think, the way they do it. And whenever they stick the, the needle in Joan Hickson's arse, and she goes. <laughs> it's just brilliant and I remember being a child and laughing my head off at, that, at those scenes while my mother was like staring at me thinking what's wrong with this, this little boy um, and catching the blood in the china pot <laughs> yeah, yeah the piss pot yeah <laughs> yeah yeah, um, which actually brings me to um, <laughs> a question I have for everyone was what is your favourite death in the film so I thought I'd go through and we can do a clapometer so I want to hear you cheer <laughs> For each death, you can either cheer or you can flail about like the like the uh, the, the um, tramp troop of uh, Vincent Price. Um, so the first one is tramp attack. Yay. <laughs> That's it. Get warmed up. Get warmed up. Um, second one, spear through the heart. Mm. <laughs> okay, I think everyone's saving this for the for a certain death. Death by wine. <laughs> Pounds of flesh. Like that one. Down Diana Dawes, you strumpers. <laughs> <laughs> um, butchers electric rollers. Um, Arthur Lou Arthur Lowe loses his head. It's obvious, isn't it? Poodle pie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think that's pie. yeah. It is it is horrendous, and actually, I felt sick watching it this time. Yeah, the poodle yeah. pie yeah, scene. I can barely watch that scene. <laughs> yeah. It's the food. I it can never food. eat a chicken and mushroom pie. <laughs> I wonder where my babies have got to. My doggies, you know. I always think of them as my babies. <laughs> of course, you do, Monsieur, and so do we. That is part of your surprise. All the same, I wish they were here to share this with me. Well, there they are, both baked in that pie, whereof their mother daintily hath fed, eating the flesh which she herself hath bred. Oh. What was that? Where are my dogs? Where are my babies? Well, if Monsieur cannot do without his dogs, then he shall have his dogs. <laughs> you see, monsieur, two dogs, two pies. We knew that monsieur would be hungry. <laughs> you do remember, monsieur, how in Titus Andronicus, the queen tomorrow was served her own children baked in a pie. <laughs> of course, in your case, we've used only the tenderest morsels. <laughs> Do have some more. Who wants to make the pie? Because he was a, he was a <laughs> he was. talented chef, wasn't he? Yeah, he so was. I don't know if everyone knows in the room, but he was a, he had like cookbooks and stuff, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Home, he yeah, Vincent Price was actually a talented super chef. He used to scare stuff up in the kitchen, I think was how he described oh, it. No. <laughs> and I'm, and I'm, and I'm. Did he but, say his tail off after that movie? <laughs> <laughs> the thing about Vincent Price's cookbook is that. He's a bit of a Fanny Craddock type, so it's quite hard, and he's big, mad keen on like piping mashed potato and stuff <laughs> like that. So 
It is, he, in, in his, it, although the book's like, I think it's from like the mid 60s, it is incredibly 70s. And yeah. if you watch the TV program, it is incredibly 70s, really, in terms of what he's trying to do. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, you know, at the same time, and here we are now coming down the stairs. <laughs> <laughs> you must all now eat it. But um, we were going to serve pies as well, but the budget didn't stretch. <laughs> and we went sure he was vegan. And, you know, um, so um, so that, uh, two things took me by surprise whilst watching this film because I've seen it so many times and it's sort of, I still adore it on many levels, but it doesn't necessarily scare me or anything anymore. Um, first off was somebody, Laurie Yates, was squirming at the horrible, at the, at the killings and seemed to be quite scared and freaked out by it. Is that was anyone else in the audience quite yeah, still quite freaked out by this one? I find that it, it, I found the poodle pie <laughs> like knocked me sick right. to the point where I couldn't look. Yeah. Even though it's kind of funny. Yeah. It was there was a dark, there's like funny darkness mm. to it. Yeah. And I don't know if that freaks me out, like my sensibilities are a bit on edge. A lot of horror films don't really juggle horror and comedy very well, but but this one's it's also gleeful me. but mean spirit at the same time and it's mean it's mean yeah it's mean and it knows the horrible things that you want to see yeah. on screen as well it's a fine line it to, but, it, yeah. but it manages yeah the second thing I noticed was somebody gasped at the end when Diana Rigg revealed that it was it was her in the man drag yeah it was offering some right anyone else surprised by that no uh, I thought what I'm surprised by though how quickly she died yeah. The, the, the meth drink had flashed away with her head with the yeah. Shakespeare sculpture. Yeah. And then she just died. Yeah. I was like, because she just, she seemed quite lucid and she was reciting things. Yeah. And then she just died. Sometimes. <laughs> 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 I'd like to know why things have happened. You sound like a script editor. <laughs> 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 um, Martin had a, a observation on her death, didn't you? Oh, yeah, it's, um, it's another Shakespearean death, and I've forgotten which play. Yeah. Yeah. It's also seeing her in, I can only describe it as two sets of drag, both extreme. Yeah. I mean, her has Dolly Bird in bright red lipstick. He's as weird as her in the big yeah. beard and hair. With a highly erotic mouth. I know. 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 I Michael Horton's funeral when she floats past in that gown. Yeah. yeah. She just sort of wafts past and you just want to... Well, I wanted to be it anyway. Um, that gender switching's very Shakespeare. Girls and people changing gender in, in the actual... in the plays themselves is very... Uh, yeah. It's very, just very res- resonant to all of them. Yeah. So my favourite incarnation of Vincent Price in this film was Butch. <laughs> Hello, I'm Butch. I love all that, um, and I just love the irony that he was knocking a slice off Coral Brown yeah, when he yeah, was playing yeah. that scene. So that so they met on this film. He was still married, apparently, um, and he um, the digs that they were put up in were uh, Eaton Place oh. in London, and he lived at number one Eaton Place, and I think she lived at like number sixty six or something, and um, his one, daughter. Six, he won six five, um, below stairs or whatever. And um, she, um, the daughter Victoria Price, talks about the fact that he used to go for walks every night whilst he was still married mm-hmm. to her mum, and then they realised it was because he was knocking at Coral Brown's 
Connell Brown's door. <laughs> I like to call it. Knock on Connell's Brown door. <laughs> this is all censored by the way. Um, but which I thought was interesting. And another interesting thing I found out, I always thought Vincent Price was one of those really camp flamboyant actors who it turns out is actually straight, and I was always shocked by that. But um, I only recently found out that he wasn't 100% straight. So Victoria Price, his daughter, is a lesbian, and she came out to him. And when she came out to him, he came out to her as well, which I thought was really lovely. He said, I, you know, I love you and accept you because I too have had attractions to the same sex and apparently they lived opposite um power bottom and rockwoods yeah (laughs) 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 apparently apparently they lived opposite rockwoods and and he used to come over all the time and see mr price as well as a few other um gay hollywood types so i thought that was quite sweet that in playing and camping up as butch he was actually sleeping with Coral Brown at the time, which explains some of her weird acting in that scene. Yeah, she's she's kind of banged down for being tied to a chair at that point. She's like, she? oh, it's really hurting me, but she's like, <laughs> she's like smirking and all turned on and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hello, I'm Butch. Hey, dishy, dishy hair. Can't wait to get my hands on it. Who's this great big beautiful thing with you? Is he yours? Well, only just. Come on, baby, let me get to it. Let me get at it, huh? Oh, I wish you would let me do something camp with the color, darling. I mean, like, uh, well, like flame with the uh, ash highlights. Especially that scene where Joan of Arc dies at the stake. <laughs> Though I'm afraid you might find our novel version of it a bit of a shock. <laughs> <laughs> and Marquis says, because she is a maid, spare for no faggots, let there be enow. Place barrels of pitch upon the fatal stake. That's so her torture may be shortened. Yet for since she is a virgin pure, <laughs> use no entreaty, for it is in vain. Break thou in pieces and consume to ashes. Thou foul, accursed minister of hell. No. You're all expected to join in on every podcast from now on. Yeah. I'll give you the address at the end. <laughs> <laughs>
Usually, so as I say, usually it's just us four in the back room of my house. Uh, we put a podcast out every two weeks and we talk about films like this. Uh, as I said before, there's a wide variety of stuff that we cover. Uh, you can get us at screamingqueens, with a Z, dot podbean, dot com, or you can get us on SoundCloud, or you can get us on iTunes, just search for Screaming Queens with a Z. Um, and we're, we're on Twitter, but strangely, after 75 episodes, I still haven't set up a Screaming Queens Twitter account, so you have to go through me. Um, so it's at Johnny Larkin. You can get Jonathan Butler. Uh, Cthulhu 502. You can get my, where can we get you? You're not online. Uh, I'm not on Twitter. You can you can get me at the uh, an old abandoned theatre. <laughs> <laughs> well, what about the podcast? <laughs> And Chris, so Chris, Chris, um, so Chris runs a podcast of his own, yeah, which yeah. inspired me to start mine. So thank you very much. That's all right. I stole all his ideas, <laughs> um, but only the bad ones. The bad ones. <laughs> um, yeah, so um, I'm on Orange and Skull Monkey. I haven't podcasted in six months. I will do once the cinema stuff's finished, basically, because I've got no sound. But uh, yeah, so. Have you got any more Empty Spaces Cinema stuff coming up that you uh, We're going to do something for Christmas at uh, one of the NML buildings, probably. And then we're in the Blue Coat in January and March with a couple of screenings as well. So uh, tying in with the, the uh, art school exhibition that they'll have on at that point. So, yeah, so there's, there's a lot going on. Mm. We're doing stuff. And as I say, check us out. We've got 74 other episodes there to catch up on. If you like what you've heard today, Go and have a listen to us. Um, and thank you. Thanks for staying. Thanks very much. And thanks for... Thank you. <laughs> 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 <laughs>